Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Round eight of the NRL gets underway tonight. It is the Broncos and the Shark, which means uh, it's almost time to hopefully for us over here in New Zealand to put Monday's nightmare uh, with the Warriors in the rearview mirror once and for all, but uh, maybe not. Uh, there's plenty more headlines going around rugby league circles that have uh, got our attention heading to the weekend as well. And to give us the details on all of those is uh, Daily Telegraph's Dean Ritchie. Welcome to the show, uh, to the man they call the Bulldog. Thanks for joining us. G'day, Ian. G'day, and Good morning to you. Yeah, good morning to you, mate. The first of all, Phil Gould has dished out an almighty spray, apparently, to the Bulldogs at their uh, training session, um, probably gazumping Trent Barrett. What does that mean? Yeah, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? And I think most people expected Gus to intervene or interfere at some stage during the year. He's got a reputation for, uh, for wanting to get his uh, hands dirty when it comes to rugby league. Look, Trent Barrett came out last night saying he supported the move, and in fact, encourage Gus to do it, but you can't help but get the feeling, Ian, that uh, Trent might be a little bit uncomfortable with someone else taking over his team. But, uh, Ian, I'm probably one of the few over here in the minority that think that, you know what, as irritating as Gus can be, you know, the, the dogs need something. They've lost six games straight. The season of promise is falling away very, very quickly. And unless they pull themselves together in the next week or two, uh, they can forget about the semifinals for another year and Let's not also forget, Ian, in recent history, the Bulldogs, such a famous and proud club over here in Sydney, have won four from their last 31 games, which clearly is unacceptable. Hell, I didn't realise it was that bad. They've got uh, the Rooster, of course, Saturday night at 7.30, and it looks like they'll be without their skipper, Josh Jackson, as well. So the problems uh, seem to be compounding. Yeah, Josh has come down with uh, COVID. He was on a day off, I think, on... A Tuesday, he did a test at home and up she came positive. Uh, I spoke to the Bulldogs CEO, Aaron Warburton, just last week, and he said of the 36 rostered players at Canterbury, uh, since December, 35 had tested positive at some point. The only one who hadn't was, of course, you have to believe it, Josh Jackson. So Jacko's finally been found out and the Lurgy has struck him down. So, yeah, just another issue that Canterbury have to face. They lost four players through COVID last week and things really unravelling at the Bulldogs and they're stone motherless last now and they've won one game which was around one game mm. uh, up there in Townsville. They fell across the line up there and this big recruitment drive in the off-season which saw them land a number of stars is really, really falling flat very quickly. Dean, before I leave uh, the subject of Phil Gould alone, uh, of course, Phil Gould has long been associated with Channel 9's coverage, one of the backbone members of that uh, for well over a decade, probably even longer than that, actually. But uh, I read an article uh, over the weekend where Channel 9's numbers have gone downhill and a lot of people pointing 
uh, perhaps at an aged old commentary team, they want something a bit more revitalised out of it. Yeah, I think Buzz Rothfield, one of my colleagues, wrote that story about Channel Lions ratings. Uh, I wouldn't say being in free fall, Ian, but they're certainly down. A lot of people think that you know, maybe Gus is the problem. Uh, look, to be fair to nine, all ratings, I think, whether it be in rugby league, AFL, or you know, over there with you know Super Rugby in New Zealand, I think you'd find most ratings are down this year, given we were all stuck at home last year. We couldn't move. And uh, all we could do was really watch television. So the ratings last year were exceedingly high because of COVID. And at some point, I guess, they were always going to drop to some normality. But, uh, yeah, Nine's ratings aren't great. It's a bit of a worry for the game. But they're on board long term. Fox's ratings are very good. Uh, and I think at the moment, in my opinion, in the rugby league, despite a few refereeing blunders in recent weeks, has been very good. And as always, uh, you know, the the spectacle of rugby league is as strong as ever. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. There's a lot of interest over here, uh, Dean, I can promise you that. Round eight begins with uh, the Broncos, as I said uh, tonight. Uh, it is a 9.50 game New Zealand time. Uh, and uh, it looks uh, it, it looks a, a quite an, an interesting mix, this game. Uh, the Sharks will be the favourites, but uh, of interest, of course, is Tamari Martin, who was uh, named at fullback uh, again for Brisbane. Uh, this is a bloke who made a, a comeback after an unlikely situation where you thought he might never play a contact sport again. How did you make that come... What did you make of that comeback? Yeah, extraordinary, was it, when you think about the pain he must have gone through at the time and the uh, the emotional strain to get back playing rugby league. And I think Damari said last week he probably wasn't ready to make his comeback last week. He was thrust in there through varying circumstances up there at the Broncos. But, gee, you can't help but admire his guts and courage to overcome such a horror injury. As for that game tonight, and look, the Broncos are, yeah, they're they're they're, they're struggling along at a, at a you know five out of ten every week. They haven't really set the world on fire. They're probably up a few notches on last year, but Cronulla's been the real surprise packet. They've won five of their seven games, and they've quickly established themselves as a real top four side. And there'd be a great one-on-one contest tonight in the centres. And there's a big fella, a big brute at Cronulla called C.O. Talakai, destroyed Manly in that first half last week, and he comes up against the Broncos and a Katoni Stag, both being mentioned as possible origin candidates. So that individual clash in the centres will be absolutely fascinating and almost bullocking tonight as well. One of the talking points, of course, it was on NRL 360 as well, the latest edition of that. Uh, was the subject of Reese Walsh, and uh, of course, uh, it has been predicted and stated that uh, the Broncos will have his signing in the next few weeks. So Kevy Walters will get that across the line. Meanwhile, on uh, on our side of the Tasman, our CEO Cameron George is adamant that Reese will stay with the New Zealand club. Uh, the Warriors, what are you thinking here? Well, he's got a contract until 2024, so we should establish that nice and early that he has a deal. And, uh, you know, I'm a bit old school, Ian. I think if you have a deal, you should honour it. But those days, mm. I think, are long gone in professional sport. I wrote a story about Reese Walsh in, oh, it would have been February, Ian, saying that I think you'll find he will be at a Queensland club and he wants to come home. It's just a matter of when. Was it going to be this year, next year, or the year after? The mail I got back then was that he was a bit cold on going back to the Broncos because Kev Walters didn't put up much of a fight when Reese 
asked to go to the Warriors, and his preference would be to play under Wayne Bennett's new side at Redcliffe from next year. So, look, you know, I, I don't have all the answers. It's a real watch this space. I have no doubt he will leave the Warriors sooner rather than later, which is a blow for the Warriors. Uh, what club he goes to, it's down to two. And what year, I guess, is also debatable. Because that contract, uh, it's under lock and key for 23. But I think in 24, it might be an option in his favour. So it may well be that year when he moves on. OK, well, let's look at the Dolphins. Stay on that subject. Uh, what about the Cameron Munster issue? What is, uh, what is happening there? Yeah, I wrote a story in today's Telegraph. It's up online, dailytelegraph.com.au, that the Dolphins coach, Wayne Bennett, came out on Wednesday, what might have been Tuesday, Ian, saying that you know, we are hoping to get Cam Munster for 23 or 24. And that set alarm bells off down there in Melbourne because Munster has a contract for 2023. So they made a formal complaint, they being the Melbourne Storm, to the Dolphins, uh, very sternly saying, hands off, he's under contract, he's our player, we're not going to release one of the best players in the game early. So uh, they've very politely at the same time forcefully told Wayne Bennett that you can't go around saying that you want to encourage players to break deals to go to your club. So I think Wayne's been put in his place by the Melbourne Storm. There's no doubt that Cameron Munster will be in Melbourne for next year. But as for 2024, I guess that would probably come down to finances and which club can come up with the big money. But no doubt the Dolphins will throw everything at him because they're desperate for that marquee player, which has so far eluded them. Aside from that, uh, how are their numbers in terms of recruitment? Have you heard? Uh, as in the Dolphins? Yeah. Yeah, they're going okay. And they've picked up a few good players along the way. They've got a couple from Melbourne, the Bromwich brothers and uh, Felice Kafusi. There's just been no superstar. I think everyone's been waiting for that real big name to sign up there to become you know, the face of the club, the one that you chuck up on billboards that helps sponsorship and marketing and, and membership drives. And certainly they've got a, you know, a number of very good players. But you know, Taylor Ponger was one that was going to be the main man, and he said no. Harry Grant was another. He said no. There's been a, a list of gun players that they've chased who have said no, basically. They just didn't want to go there. And I think everyone's a little bit surprised, Ian, to be truthful, because Wayne Bennett's such a big name. You know, he's arguably the greatest coach in the history of rugby league. And I think there was a theory that players would flock to Redcliffe to be coached by uh, Wayne Bennett. But at the moment, that hasn't been the case. We've been trying to put to bed uh, last Monday. Here we are Thursday still talking about it. We just can't. Uh, that performance by the Warriors uh, in the last 33 minutes when they conceded so many points. I mean, they were only six behind at that at that point in the match. Lost 70 to 10. You've watched a hell of a lot of rugby league in your time. Uh, have you ever seen a collapse of that magnitude? Oh, it was embarrassing. Eh? It wasn't, there's no other way to put it. It was a total capitulation. It's quite sad to watch, actually, a side that you hoped would be competitive, literally just fall apart at the seams. And it's not what our game's about. Rugby League's built on fight and toughness and grit, and the Warriors showed none of those qualities at all. And it's a vital game, this one against the Raiders. Uh, That's Saturday at 3pm over here in Australia, Ian. They've really got to bounce back. Even if they don't win, they've just got to bounce back and show that there's some spirit 
and there's a bit of fight and there's a bit of resolve in that club because at the moment they are at rock bottom. And everyone over here does understand that. And we all get it that the Warriors have had a real rough trot. They've been away from home for years now. I think it's two years if I've got that right. So, look, there's always that little bit of leeway with the Warriors saying that you know, times are tough and they're doing a great thing by staying away from home for the good of the game. But that result, I'm sorry, that's just not acceptable. I think you've got to factor into the fact that it's the Storm and the Storm are a, a terrific side and they're obviously going to be contenders. But uh, the Panthers, gee, the Panthers have hardly put a foot wrong so far. Yeah, seven from seven. I think I was reading this morning, there's only been 16 teams in the history of rugby league that have won their first eight games. And Penrith did it last year and it looks like they're on the verge of doing it again this year. So no other side has done it twice and no other side obviously has done it back-to-back. But to me, Melbourne and Penrith, at the moment, Ian, things change, as you know, in sport very, very quickly. But at the moment, they are in a class of their own up the top there. There's probably a you know, a second tier, which might include... Yeah, Cronulla's probably moved up into that. Uh, Parramatta, maybe the Roosters, Sharks, Manly, there's a, South. There's a few in that second tier, but certainly in terms of that top tier, it's, it's daylight at the moment. Uh, look, Things happen in rugby league. You might get suspensions, injuries, dramas at club. There's a multitude of reasons why things change during a year. But at this very point, going into round eight, Melbourne and Penrith are that far ahead. It's almost becoming a two-horse race in April. Yeah, it's a bit scary, that prospect as well. So uh, we still look at games with interest because, of course, massive fan bases on both sides of the Tasman. Eels, Cowboys, um, Night Storm, I think... uh, Knights would have to produce something pretty special there. And Dragons, West Tigers. Now, West Tigers, is it's not a great story, but it's a nice story of how they've actually come through uh, and found some fight, particularly at the end of games. Oh, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, they've become everyone's second side over here in Sydney, and everyone's been cheering them home the last few weeks. Two dramatic results. Field goals winning the games very late in each encounter, but They've not only won two games after losing their first five, but they've bowled over two heavyweights in Parramatta and South. And certainly Jackson Hastings, a young kid that was St. George, the Roosters and Manly before he went to England. He had a few issues, Jackson. He's got no doubt in admitting that. And maybe his attitude wasn't right at times, but he went across to Salford. Then he went to Wigan. He grew up overseas. He come back. He's come back a, 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 a better footballer, but you know, a better man and, Gee, he's really igniting the Tigers. He's got that lead role now in the halves. and uh, They've got the Dragons on Sunday, and you know, that's certainly another winnable game for the West Tigers. And I think everybody on social media, when they won that first game against Parramatta, jumped off the sofa and uh, gave the Tigers and Madge a bit of a cheer because they've had a really, really wretched run. And certainly I'm glad for Michael Maguire's sake. He's a good fellow, Madge. And uh, the scrutiny for now in rugby league, it's always there, but the scrutiny and pressure is off for at least a couple of weeks. Yeah, it is. And of course, and, and that job of, as well uh, was also people uh, being talked about the fact that if he couldn't get the Tigers to get going, how could he get the Kiwis to get going, of course, with that double role that he's got? So we're always interested in the West from that point of view. Yeah, he's an exceptional coach, Madge. He's one of the few that's won in both hemispheres. He won Super League Grand Final with uh, Wigan. Of course, then he won that uh, famous South victory in 2014. It's been a tough gig. Look, Ian, you know professional sport as good as anyone. You can only work for the side you've got. And you know, the 
Tigers side for the last couple of years just hasn't been good enough. And I, I say that with all due respect to the roster and to the players, but other rosters are just simply better. It's, it's, it's really, to be honest, not a top eight roster. Look, the last two weeks have proven that they can win, and I'd love to see them more than anybody kick on and win a few more games. But it's very hard. It's that, that's an old argument, isn't it, Ian? You know, who's number one in a club? Is it the coach or is it the roster? And I think we all generally agree that a coach is only as good as his players. And we are asking that very question right over here at the moment, uh, Dean. I can uh, I can absolutely inform you of that. It's been a pleasure talking to you, mate. Uh, thanks for your input on uh, all those particular issues, and we can only hope for better against the Raiders this time around. So, cheers. Uh, appreciated the chat. Yeah, thanks, Apes. It was a pleasure coming on. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.